It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 600. Yes, indeed, 600 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. It seems like just yesterday we were recording the first episode, and yet here we are at 600 already. Well, joining me on the show today is my guest, Jim Brown. Jim is a sales coach to the burgeoning and really vibrant tech community that's growing up in Indianapolis and as well host of his own podcast called the Sales Tuners Podcast. I've been had the honor actually to be a guest on Jim's show and a good interviewer and you should check out the episodes on that show. Now one of the key topics that Jim and I are going to discuss today and I'm a huge believer in this is that you have to write your own rules for success in B2B sales. So yes, you need to have a defined sales process, but within that process, you have to develop your own unique strengths, your own sales personality, your own sales voice, if you will. And really important to be able to do that. So we're going to dig into that. We're also going to dive into talking about how to build empathy, maintain your curiosity when you talk with prospects. I mean, these are basic personality traits that all sellers need to have, but most importantly, they're also skills that you can learn and develop. If you'd like to see the summary notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 600. Now, friends, this, this is the last show of the, the year or the last show before the Thanksgiving holiday, let's say. And if you're traveling this weekend, please be safe. I mean, there are a lot of people out there this weekend. I think today is supposed to be the busiest travel day of the year, perhaps. And uh, Friday, also one of the busiest travel days. So I said, be safe. And since it's Thanksgiving, I also want to, hey, say a few things that I'm thankful for as the holiday approaches. And first of all, most importantly, thankful for all of you who listen to the show, who send me your comments and your inputs and feedback to the show, saying, hey, what I could do better to help you and, and the things that you get value from. So I'm uh, thankful for all of your support and thankful that uh, I can provide a little bit of value, perhaps, to help you achieve your goals and your dreams. I'm also thankful for all those that have worked with me and worked so hard to put this this show together. Um, certainly couldn't be done without them. Uh, in particular, Alec, David, Catherine, Tim, Ryan, Tina. Thank you, thank you for for all that you do. Also, incredibly thankful for my my wonderful family, wonderful wife for putting up with me as as uh, as I work hard as we all do these days to to uh, achieve what we're trying to achieve in our lives. So uh, thanks again. Everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Have a wonderful day. All right. With that, before we jump to the turkey, let's jump into interview with Jim Brown. Jim, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks so much, Andy. This is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm ready to go. All right. Good, 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 good. So Start the show with a standard question I ask all my guests, which is, in your opinion, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? All the channels of communication that are out there, right? Whether it be phone, email, the messaging platforms, direct mail. It just There's so many different ways to communicate with buyers today. There's so many different ways that they find you. There's so many different ways they want to actually be communicated with. I think figuring out that balance for you and for your buyer is just a huge challenge right now. Yeah, it seems like one of the challenges is, though, too, that this sort of go along, goes along with that, is that we have to find the channels that are really personal, 
you know the ones that the ones that lend themselves to building that that business relationship that you know lends itself to trust and becoming that trusted advisor for for a prospect and it seems like we're yeah sort of on a tipping point of some degree certainly in certain aspects of sales certain companies certain industries of sort of abusing that with you know our automated emails and so on totally agree i think that we are on the precipice of a reset uh, here in the United States, at least. So, you know, I have a couple of uh, my clients that sell internationally, and I feel like it's still very much uh, like the early 2000s or late 90s, if you will, from communication methods over there. But here in the States, we are. It's just we we want to automate everything and we want to move things so fast that we are losing that personal touch. And so, you know, for me, I know today when I can get to the point where I have a prospect's cell phone number and we're communicating by text message, it's a shoe in I've got this done. But I've earned my way there, and I don't earn that way through automating things via email or phone call, you know, anything along those lines. Or text. Or, or text, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah if you're automating text, that could be really bad. Yeah, well, and there's people that do. But but I think there's some people that that jump prematurely to, to text and think that, okay, hey, I've got, I've got their cell phone number. I can text them. Thus... De facto, I have a relationship, but it's that's not the case. It's not the case, and I think that's just a problem with everybody out there that's trying to shortcut, you know, the, the means. They they read a book or they they read a blog post and says this is the method, this is the secret, this is the key, and if you just do this, you're going to have great success. And you don't realize that people have earned their way there. They everybody wants to take the shortcuts today, and sales, just like everything else, is a hard road. You have to actually follow the right steps. So totally with you. Yeah, I mean, I I. I <laughs> I've written about this where I, you know, I say sales hacks are or basically hacks are for whiners and habits are for winners. And, and I really believe that is I think that, that if you, if you don't develop the habit of using, utilizing the right behaviors on a consistent basis, then you can use all the shortcuts you want, all the hacks mm-hmm. you want. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be where you want to be. You're right. And I actually go as far as to say that habit trumps discipline because I can be disciplined that, yes, I will force myself to do this thing. But from a habit perspective, once I have ingrained something in myself as a habit, for instance, the need to cold call, I don't have to have the discipline to cold call. I have the habit that every single day, personally, I make six cold calls. It has become so natural to me that it's kind of like brushing my teeth in that if I don't do it, I feel really weird. And so it's definitely better for me to have that habit than it is just to have the discipline and willingness to do the activity. So let's get back to this comment then about the precipice. Is yeah. so what what do you think is is sort of the impending change, let's say, that's going to happen or you know, you talked about a reset. What do you think that reset is? We, we so you know everybody uh, not everybody I, I don't want to use that word but <laughs> a lot of people out there are talking about how you know our jobs meaning as salespeople our jobs are going to be overtaken by robots and 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 you know, on and on and on and AI and you know even virtual reality and augmented reality and all these things and I just feel and it's a feeling it's a truly a gut feeling but I believe that buyers are getting to the point right that Google's out there for a reason now they can get so much information that they need before they ever talk to a salesperson now. Mm-hmm. I actually don't believe all the case studies that say buyers are 67% of the way through the buying cycle before they reach out to us. I don't believe that. However, if they're going to communicate with you, if they're going to take time out of their day to connect with you as another human being, they want to be connected with 
as a human being. And I just think that we're about to get back to this point where and I, I don't think it's going to get back to, to only doing business with people locally or that you can see, Andy. But I do think that that reset's coming where I want to connect with you first as a human being. So I used to sell for Oracle. Mm-hmm. And, and and Oracle was completely different for me. They, they sent me over to London. They sent me over to uh, France to sell over there. And it literally felt like I was going back in time two decades. Because over here, you know, inside sales, doing everything via the phone and webinars, getting electronic contract signed and all and, and very quickly, right? Short time spans. Once I went overseas, they're like, well, wait a minute. I, we think we want to do this, but you know what? Let's go out to dinner. Let's share a bottle of wine. Let me get to know you as a person. And I was like, whoa, I just want you to sign this deal so I can get a commission to be able to pay for this meal. Um, but but that's how they still do business over there. They want to connect with you as a person and as a human before they do the business transaction. And, and I don't think we're going to go all the way back there, but I think that reset button is coming very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would go so far as to say that that most customers, and we're going to talk across all industries, companies of all sizes, and I, there's been research that's validated this, that that people want to talk with people about decisions they make, critical decisions they have to make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a reason, for instance, you know, take medical practices and medical care, health care, uh, is that, yeah, they can, you know, insurance companies and hospitals and medical systems can go back and scan millions of records of you know, patients and say, yeah, for this condition, this is the type of outcome, this is the type of treatment we recommend. And, you know, and they're in the process of doing that. But before the patient makes a decision about, you know, yeah, to have this operation or no operation or this treatment versus that treatment, what do they want to do? That's right. They want to talk to a doctor. They want to talk to a person. Well, and, but, and could you imagine though, Andy, you know, let's say that um, you just, you, a family member of yours, you just got a, a terrible diagnosis, right? A, a terminal illness. And because of, as you said, the AI and the computers and they go out and they crunch all the numbers and it says, yeah, this person's going to die. And instead of having a doctor come out and talk to you, it literally just sent you a text and she says, yep, your, your person's going to die. Make sure you make the final arrangements. <laughs> I mean, it's this concept of empathy. Like the reason why we are humans is because we have emotions. And so for me in sales, you have to have empathy for the buyer that you're sitting across the table from. So, you know, and I'm totally fine with all the technology. I love technology. But one of the things that I'm starting to try my hardest to do is if I'm selling something over the phone, I say, hey, let's connect on Skype or let's connect via and let's turn our webcams on. Are you okay with that? I just want to I just want to see who it is that I'm talking to. Right. And and, and making that personal connection, even though again, you're you're still communicating through uh, a computer. It's just it adds so much power. And you can add body language back into the process. And you know, as as you know, being a sales coach and sales trainer now in, in the work that I do, I understand now finally how important body language is to things and being able to read people, um, how they're adjusting in their chair and you know, whether or not their arms are crossed and things like that. So but again, it, it all goes back to this concept of empathy and that human emotion, that human element. Yeah, well, I think that empathy and the human element really becomes important. I mean, I, increasingly I think what we're gonna see is and yeah, I really believe this is the case, and I've guessed on the show that coming up in some episodes they're going to talk about this, is that you know one of the real outcomes of sort of this new machine age, we'll call it, that's coming with AI and VR and AR and so on, machine learning, is, is perhaps a greater importance, greater value placed on this human-to-human interaction, on being more human in your interactions with other people and being able to form relationships, which is, you know, a an area that machines just won't be able to do. I mean, uh, and I think that, maybe not anytime soon. I, I think eventually we'll be able to train computers to get there as well. But but yes, I mean, you're totally right for for the short term. Well, 
Yeah, actually, I saw an estimate that somebody said that you know the earliest that you're really going to see this in any sort of significant way is probably 40 years, right? So, given you know Moore's law and everything that's happening with computing power is is we un- we underestimate how complex relationships are, right? And there's somebody who's already you know taken the micro expressions. You know, we all have like the 40 to 60 micro expressions our faces make, and they put that in the machine. The machine can recognize that, and they think you know they can negotiate for you and so on. But they find <laughs> that you know just it's it's not the same as a person talking to a person. That's right. I mean, it's it's not all logical. We don't, you know, we we have this uh, the animal instinct, right? We we grew up with the idea that there might be a lion around the corner and he's going to attack us, and so we don't always use complete ration and intellect in during normal everyday activities, let alone selling and buying. Well, yeah. I mean, studies shown that that every decision we make in life is emotional, and whether what to eat, what to wear, and so on. And the study that was done on a subject that whose you know, motion center of their brain was damaged and you know, the person couldn't function at all in life. <laughs> and so wow. everything we do is emotion-driven. All mm-hmm. right, so, so tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and what do you, who do you talk to on that and what's, what's the focus of it? Yeah, so I mean, my podcast is it's called Sales Tuners, um, and it honestly started as a, pr- a side project about a year and a half ago. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that always wants to try to get better and, and master my craft, if you will. I think I'm far from perfect, and uh, hope that I never get there. And, and I'm kind of saying that in jest because I know I won't. Um, but what I wanted to do was I've always wanted to reach out and talk to the best salespeople in the world. I wanted to learn the things that they do that have made them successful or allowed them to become successful. And I started having these conversations, and I started seeing themes uh, that were arising. And I started to say to myself, wow, it's it's actually kind of selfish of me to be able to, ha- to have these conversations and not share them with other people. So I just got a wild hair one day and said, why don't I record these and share them with other people? And so that's how it started. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, my email list started to grow and, and the listenership and downloads started. And then I had people reaching out to me saying, hey, this is amazing. Like you changed my life, which I still, that just blows my mind. I'm like, you listen to a sales podcast. How could I have changed your life? But <laughs> uh, but just, you know, sometimes it's the motivation and sure. people being able to relate with someone to say, gosh, okay, there is someone out there who thinks like me and feels like me and, and has had the same challenges as me. And just being able to connect again with another human human being like that. So we're now 53 episodes in. I'm having a blast and don't uh, don't see anything st- uh, stopping anytime soon. But I talk with great sales leaders and high-performing individual sales reps about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that have led to their success and try to break down what those quote-unquote secrets are, even though I know there aren't any secrets. So in your mind, what's the, what's the most, I don't know, the biggest revelation, let's say to you personally, the most important new thing you've learned about sales from doing your podcast? Gosh, that's a, actually a really good question. I have a lot of takeaways. I have at least three from every show. But the biggest revelation, um, you know, I, I think it may just come back to one of the things we've been talking about here. And it really is truly empathy. Um, of all the sales training systems, all the sales methodology, all the sales books, the only way to succeed in sales is to actually have empathy for the buyer, the person, the human being sitting in front of you that you're trying to sell something to. I, I, you know, I mean, you, you do this as well. I can't tell you how many clients I've gone into and they talk to me about how great their product is and their features and the benefits. And if I could just get the prospect to see all this stuff, I'm like, no, 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 no. You're completely missing it from a cold call perspective, from a discovery call perspective, from a negotiation, from a close, you have to understand why they're there and what the purpose is for the conversation. And the purpose is never your solution ever. Yeah. And it's, it's never, well, hardly ever, I think 
the first thing they say. I mean, that's the thing that I think that so many sales reps do is is uh, being like this idea about about uh, sort of the short shortcuts and short circuits is they don't they don't probe right when somebody says, mm-hmm. "Well, this is what we're really interested in." I maybe it's just me by personality is is I just don't accept that. Because mm-hmm. I understand they've got a motivation. They're looking at me. They're filtering what they say because of who I am. And so if I just take that at face value, then I'm going to be missing something. Well, totally. And so let me use a real practical example, right? I, I'll ask you, what's the last department store that you went into? Like a real brick and mortar department store? Uh, Nordstrom's. So you go to Nordstrom's, you have that pleasant greeter, you know, say, hi, thanks for shopping at Nordstrom's. What can I help you find today? And you probably said to them, <laughs> nothing, we're just looking. <laughs> right. But you yeah. went there for a purpose. So the first thing that you did as a buyer was lie to the person who's trying to help you, right? The salesperson, because well, yeah. you didn't want to be sold to. Well, actually, the purpose was I was transiting from one side of the mall to the other through Nordstrom's. <laughs> sure. So, so, so again, though, you, you had a reason and you yeah. still told them something wrong, right? right. Sure. Um, but, but we have to think about that in our own selling cycles. The first thing the customer says to us, no matter what it is, more often than not is a lie. And so if they say, Hey, we're only interested in looking at your, your demo of this product because we need to do X, Y, Z, right? Well, that's wrong. Thank you for telling me that. Now that you've said that to me, tell me more. What is it that you're actually wanting to see inside that demo? Why do you have the issue that you're telling me about? And you're right. It's, it's just the inability for salespeople to, to probe. They think, oh, if I just show them how to click this button, that's what will make them buy. And it's just it's fascinating to me to see this. So how do we change that? I mean, we have all these sort of fundamental behaviors you talk about, you know, empathy being one amongst them. I mean, teaching empathy is... It's hard. Well, it's hard, but you also would hope that that's a value that people would learn mm. growing up. That's right? true. I, you know, it's funny. I had not actually thought about that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think all the other stuff that we talk about, you know, from from money weaknesses, that definitely goes back to childhood. Uh, curiosity, well, that kind of goes back to childhood. Sure. But, but that actually would be the next thing that I would talk about is just actual curiosity, right? And even if you're not curious, try, right? Fake it. <laughs> be, <laughs> but but be curious. Understand what they're trying to actually say to you when they say certain things. And again, this even goes back to body language. It's easier to see someone lie to you or tell you, you know, basically, basically show to you that they're not telling the full truth with body language. But when we sell over the phone, it's harder to see that. But ha- having that curiosity to be like, okay, so I heard you say this, Andy. When you said that, what did you mean? And just having them. So one of the things that I love to do on on a sales call is actually intentionally say, now, what was that again? Knowing that I heard it full well, but I'm asking that for a couple of different reasons. One is, is, you know, if I asked you to say, repeat what you just said, I may literally be asking you to repeat exactly what you just said because I didn't hear you. But it doesn't matter. You're never going to repeat it exactly. You're always going to expand upon what it is that you just said. And so sometimes that's all I want them to do. I just want them to expand upon what it is they just said so that maybe I can understand a little bit better. Other times, I just want them to repeat a key point so that they hear it themselves again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so. I think those are those those are all good techniques. And I think that that you know, there's people one of the triggers, let's say, for curiosity, and there is a trigger for curiosity is is when you ask that question, and there's a skill which I talk about is you have to learn how to listen without your filters. And if mm. you learn to listen without your filters, then that's the trigger to say, okay, I need to crank up my curiosity at this point because they've told me something, so now I need to. Think about this image in my mind. This is this is my response to the trigger. Is I'm going to crank up my curiosity. You know, that's that's my next thought. And I think having that that visual image of cranking it up 
in response to their their response, um, or their answer. It's great for people to think about, okay, ask the what else can you tell me about that or could you repeat that question and so on that gets them to draw out a little bit more of the detail. Mm-hmm. It's very true. I do a lot of different evaluation techniques with my clients and I obviously I take some of these myself as well. One of them is the divine inventory that looks at the the behaviors that make up the core competencies of a successful salesperson and one of the competency or one of the behaviors I'm sorry is listening and I, I have a listening score of 2 out of 99. Um and, and it doesn't mean that I can't listen. It just means that I choose not to. I have those filters that all I'm looking for is for you to confirm my my known bias. And as soon as I hear it, I'm taking it and running with it. Now, if I just went through the world using my listening score of two, I would actually be a pretty horrible salesperson. Mm. Um, but I have to train myself to go through a process to, to your point, to turn off that filter and now actually be curious, right? Uh, pretend that I don't have the assumptions or the curse of knowledge or anything along those lines and actually just probe, just pretend to be a dummy because more often than not, I, I just truly am the dummy, but just pretend to be a dummy on purpose so you can ask the right questions and get that person to go, as you said, a little bit deeper, get them below the surface to where the real pain and the real problem actually exist. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, listening is is you know, it's a very, a very tricky thing because um, – we all have these biases, and um, we have to learn how to sort of set those aside when we ask people a question. You know, we, we talk about the confirmation bias, and everybody talks about the 50 cognitive biases that, that we all have. But, but there's something even more fundamental just about the, the person that we're talking with, right? I mean, as humans, we're sort of tribal, and we're talking to other people. They're not our tribe. And so mm-hmm. when when we ask them a question and they give us an answer, we're filtering it based on who they are. And, you know, a perfect example is, again, we talked about healthcare before, is, you know, when doctors come into an examining room to examine a patient. Uh, yeah, there's a study, I mean, my wife teaches medical school, so she brought this up, but it's like, I don't know, a couple dozen filters that doctors have to, you know, work their way through biases in order to really listen to the information that the patient's conveying to them. And we have no fewer than that ourselves. And we talked to a prospect for the first time. Yeah. Well, it's funny, even just the idea of the white trench coat, right? When they come out with that, just that is another bias or filter that we have to get through. So that's, yeah, maybe I need to marry someone who works in the medical field to understand that a little bit more. I like that, Andy. Well, there's actually, there's a great book that people can read. Uh, This might be easier. Go for it. Yeah. And it's called Blind Spot. And Blind spot. I'm trying to get to the uh, on my on my my app here. Uh, it's called Blind Spot: The Hidden Biases of Good People. And okay. uh, these are professors from I, I think Harvard or something. They've done extensive research, and they have the actually have these these uh, tests online that you can take that actually sort of measure your biases. And uh, kind of sobering, actually, because you know you can consider yourself extremely egalitarian and take these tests and they're called implicit association tests. And, and I think if you go to implicit association tests, if you search for it, you'll, you'll get to the site very quick, very easy to take. But uh, yeah, they've been taken millions of times. They really sort of highlight for you what your biases are. And so about a variety of different subjects, but what it really highlights for you is that, yeah, they're in operation every time we talk to another person Hmm. and it's, it's, it impacts how we listen to what they say and it impacts how we communicate to them and what we tell them. 
Well, I will tell you, as soon as we get off the call here today, I'm going to be looking this up and trying to figure out what those biases are for me. That's fascinating. <laughs> so you have to you have to be conscious of this. And this is, I think, a, a lot of what you're saying it mirrors what I, I talk about is in my books and so on, is that selling is a deliberate act. And if you're not thoughtful about every action that you take, every interaction you have with a the prospect, then... You're not going to build the relationship you want. You're not going to have the success that you want, both you know in sales as well as in your life. Even if you can't build those types of relationships, absolutely. And just to echo or I guess expand upon that fact of sales is deliberate. I will say, you know, for me, I teach people sales. The, the sales process and sales calls should happen with prospects, not to them. And I just, I've seen way, way too many salespeople think that, oh, I got to go do this thing for the prospect. And no, it's not, it's not a dance. Involve them. Right. And so, yeah, that, that I, I'm with you. Well, it sort of resonates about something you, you wrote about one of your takeaways from one of your recent episodes with um, Dan Fantasia, which I thought was what a fantastic name is <laughs> for sure <laughs> is you said, you know, you have to write your own rules. Yep. And I know what I took away from that, but why don't you tell people what you said you meant by in sales, we have to write your own rules. Well, it's just interesting because, you know, once once you graduate college, for the most part, all of the expectations that, that have been placed upon you are done. Right. There's no one really that's going to care anymore about what it is that you do. And, and you know, you could talk about bosses and all that kind of stuff. But really, you're on your own at that point. And so you have to actually write your own rules. You're the only one who's ever going to care enough about yourself to get something accomplished. And so in sales, it's the same thing. You are basically the CEO of your territory, the CEO of your book of business, the CEO of the sales process. Right. And so you have to kind of write your own rules and give yourself permission to do certain things. Things. Uh, I, I like to have a, a theme uh, for myself every year. And my word for this year was actually permission. Last year it was intentional. I want to be intentional. This year it's permission. It, and it's weird because I, for the longest time, I didn't think that I need, as an adult, I didn't need permission to do anything anymore. But I, I've had a couple of events in my life where someone has just come up to me and said, you know what? It's okay. You're allowed to go do this. And just to hear the words that they said, I, they, they sunk in. I'm like, wait a minute. This person that I just respect essentially just gave me permission to think, act, feel, or do the thing that I'm actually, you know, wanting to do. And so for me, that's what write your own rules means. Yeah, and I, I, I took a little more from it, or maybe a little different angle on it, because this is a really important thing for me, is, is I think that one of the things we're seeing in sales, especially with all the automation and sort of the heavily scripted sales processes, rigid sales processes, you know, with all of the quantity metrics and quantity-based activity mm -hmm. metrics that exist is that, especially in the early part of their career, salespeople are not being given the freedom to develop their own style and their own strengths, what makes them unique and different compared to everybody else because they're feeling constrained by the process numbers. and by the numbers and so yep. on. And you know, I think back to when I started in sales, which was ages and ages ago. But you know, we had a process. We had we had training, extensive training. Went through more extensive training than you know in the tech business is getting these days. So it was That's for, right. Work for a big company. I got you know ten weeks in my first year of sales training. You know, away from the office in a in a facility. You know, five hundred miles from home, and um, so we had the prescribed process, but we also were given the freedom. To do what it took for us to succeed, that that 
played to our strengths and our our unique skills and our unique abilities to develop relationships and so on. And I think we've lost a lot of that in many cases. And I and I I think that's a problem, right? If we talk about one of the, many of the issues that affect us in sales, you know, I think this is really a big one. I, I think it's a huge one. I think there's multiple things that you said that we could unpack. One is, you know, when I got to Oracle, Oracle acquired one of the companies that I led sales for. And, you know, I had never really had, I, I, so I paid to put myself through uh, the Sandler sales training program about 10, 11, 12 years ago, something along those lines. Um, and that's the only reason I had formal sales training. Mm-hmm. And today you talk about it, like most salespeople, most tech salespeople have never had any formal sales training. They show up at their company, they're taught products, features, and benefits, and they're kind of told good luck and go out on your way. So, and we think that we can just take the, the playbook, right? So I live in Indianapolis. One of the biggest acquisitions we've ever had is Exact Target when right. Salesforce bought them for $2.5 billion, right? Well, there have been so many of these sales leaders, right? Former sales leaders from Exact Target who've gone out now and they're the VPs of sales at other companies. <laughs> and they just think, I'm just going to steal the playbook, right, right. from from Exact Target, and, right. and it's going to be great. And they are struggling. And they're struggling for so many different reasons. They had the content, but they never actually had the context. They didn't understand why certain things were working. Sure. And so now they're trying to just beat into the heads of these young green sales reps who've never sold anything, don't have any business acumen, and don't have the clout or brand of Exact Target behind them. And they're wondering why they are not successful in sales. And so not only is it the fact that they don't get to show their own strengths, it's just they're being measured to a completely different thing that wasn't that doesn't work. Like the, the, the salespeople that came out of Exact Target, some of them had great success. I'll be very clear. But some of them would fail in other situations just simply because it's not exact target anymore. Sure. And so it's crazy. You know, you talked about the automation and all those kinds of stuff. It's just like, just do this. Well, you can keep banging someone over the head with a hammer saying, just do this, just do this, just do this. But if they don't understand the why behind it, it will never make sense to them. So even if they have success in it, they'll never understand why. And so I think that gets to the point of what you're saying is, let people be themselves. Like, let me figure out why you want me to do that. Then I can just play to my own strengths and get what you want accomplished. But it's not because you told me to. It's because you explained to me why. Yeah. I mean, in my first job, after my first training class, uh, I was sent back home with and I've, <laughs> I've written about this in the past, is, you know, with an evaluation from the instructors. And this was you know, a large company at the time, multi-billion dollar company, and they sort of used that first training class as a, a weeding <laughs> event. And people who didn't do well in the training got weeded out. And mm-hmm. and so I came back, I thought I did great, and I, I <laughs> handed the uh, envelope to my branch manager and went back to the sales bullpen, started making calls, da-da-da-da-da. You know, he calls me into his office, and he's looking at this evaluation that I hadn't seen, and he says, so how do you think you did? I said, what? Well, Thought I did great. <laughs> he said, "Oh, well, they think we should fire you." Wow. And I said, "Why?" They said, "They thought you were too analytical." Now, you think back, and you know, this was <laughs> a while ago, but you know, they thought salespeople all fit a very you know common That's stereotype, right. which is not entirely different than the stereotype we have today for salespeople. Uh, That's absolutely right. That hiring managers use because look, I want an aggressive hunter, da 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 da. And I'm a curious problem solver, analytical, and and fortunately, my boss, yeah, crumpled the paper up and threw it away, uh, and gave me an opportunity. But yeah, it was completely different than anybody else you'd ever hired. But, so, were you a C on the disc profile? Is that what I'm kind of taking? Yeah, 
Yeah. And so mostly. And so, you know, he he gave me the freedom, right? And I, yep. you know, I got mentored by various people in the office that, you know, I could take things from. And But I, you know, my first three or four years of my sales career, I developed my sales identity. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see people doing that as much. And it's, it's yeah, I, I can be a cog that fits into a process. And you want me to do these things, I can do these things, and I can, you know, knock it out of the park. But, you know, when we look at success rates in many sales industries these days, or many industries, you know, like in SaaS business, you know, the, the close rate's kind of low. It's extremely low. Yeah. And so, but they accept it as thus. You know, that's the price they pay for the way that the whole process is set up. It doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> I, I feel like we're just, we're coming to sermon here. We're just going to preach. I mean, I'm with you. Absolutely. It's it's crazy. Thing. You know, I see uh, close rates of, you know, 20 to 30%. And they're like, man, that's really good. You're just killing it. I'm like, wait a minute. When what other job or what other role and whatever, whatever company would we allow someone to be less than half successful? Like Base, it just doesn't baseball. Need, it, well, I, I know three <laughs> out of 10 gets you to the, to the hall of fame, but still <laughs> right. in the actual world of business, it, it's just, it's fascinating to me, you know, so here in Indianapolis, it, there's kind of, we have this appreciation, not even appreciation. I, I don't want to go there. Um, we have this, um, thing behind us. It says 50% of our sales hires are going to be successful. 50% are going to be successful. And so therefore we're going to hire two or we might hire four. And we know that only 50% of them are going to make it. And so get beyond just even the sheer cost of recruiting, mm-hmm. get beyond the sheer cost of training, get beyond the sheer cost of actual base salary and benefits. What's the real opportunity cost that you have of giving any lead to someone who isn't going to be able to close? Like you we're throwing away millions of dollars in opportunity because we are not taking the time to, as you said, give people the space to figure out who they're going to be in sales and increase that that conversion rate or that close rate. It, it just, it blows my mind. You got me passionate now. Here we go. <laughs> well, but right. And it encourages all sorts of bad behaviors because to the point That's you're right. making about lead distribution. Yeah. You know, so suddenly managers are distributing leads to the people they think are more likely to close. Well, that becomes a sort of self-reinforcing right. prophecy, right? It's a big vicious cycle because you never give people the opportunity to work on those deals because you don't think you don't have trust in them. Well, and I see this in company after company is is you know the middle fifty percent that are sort of struggling. Oftentimes they're just not given the same chances as the people at the top. And That's right. Yeah. Well, what's that? We could go on and on. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we're running out of time. So, Jim, this has been fantastic. So, tell people how to find out more about you and your podcast and so on. Sure. Yeah. A couple of ways. If you want to just kind of see my personal daily dribble, uh, you can get me on Twitter. I'm at Jim underscore Brown. Uh, and if you'd like to check out the podcast or anything along those lines, uh, that can be found at salestuners.com. And uh, Andy, one of the things I put together for for your audience is, you know, one of the biggest things that I've seen is people have really big goals. It could be quota goal or just business revenue goal. Like, but let's say it's a million dollar quota that they're given at the beginning of the year. Well, they're sitting at January 1st and it's at zero they don't know the individual steps to go from that zero to that million because zero to 1 million is just daunting. Mm-hmm. So I put together a workbook and I do mean that one emphasize the word work, but it's a free workbook at salestuners.com slash roadmap that you put in that big number that you want to go achieve. And this is going to break down the daily and weekly behaviors that you need to do to have any chance of getting there. So again, that's just salestuners.com slash roadmap. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Absolutely, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back. Join us for our next episode of Accelerate. 
Until then, if you get a chance, go to iTunes, wherever you listen to this podcast, subscribe, leave a review. Really appreciate your feedback. Tell us what we can do to make this a more valuable investment for you. So thanks again for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>